Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, it's Dustin from the HP Podcast. And this is Ben. We're just coming here to tell you about our show, well, the HP Podcast. The HP Podcast is a weekly video game podcast from HandsomePhantom.com that's also part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. And... Ben, it's a little hard to describe our show because it's a little bit of everything. We get into a lot of shenanigans. We also talk about some news. We have some pretty serious topics sometimes. But sometimes uh, our friend Brandon takes a shirt off and uh, just does the show that way. So you should definitely check it out. I think you got stuck to the seat last time. It's possible. So that was that was a time. Yeah. So anyway, check out our show. We would love that. The HP podcast. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us and keep it retro. You were my love and my friend. I thought the game would never end. You tore out my heart without an estimation. Behavior that's hard to defend. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is Arcast Mini, number 29, and I am here with the man from Denver, Robert Workman. Uh, yeah, so we are indeed preparing for PAX West. We're actually about, I'm actually about to depart. Dave's still got another day there. But uh, before we do, we had a, a nice little uh, a little situation here, David. Uh, last week, we had, the lovely, yes. we, we, had the lov- <laughs> we had the lovely Candace Shane on our show last week. In fact, she's back again. Hi, Candace. Hi. Yeah, she's back again. We were talking about FMV games, but beforehand we were talking about the Intellivision Amico and their debut trailer at Gamescom, and they showed off first gameplay footage and everything, but not everybody was entirely sold on it. But yeah, Tommy Tallarico caught wind of that episode, and he's like, I want to come on, and I want to talk about this, so guess who we got, David? Yeah. We got Tommy Tallarico. So Tommy Tallarico in the house. How's it going there, Tommy? Hey! Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. You did just get through with the um, Game Daily, I believe, Connect event in Anaheim. Yeah, Casual Connect. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, A lot of, met a lot of great uh, developers out there, um, a a few of which are already working with us and uh, doing a lot of, uh, you know, we basically, we have 20 developers uh, working with us right now uh, that are working on 25 games and we're hiring another 20 developers uh, over the next uh, two and a half months. So, nice. um, you know, rampant, rampant up like crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. So I figure like with everything that's going on right now with the Intellivision Amico, obviously there was like a new trailer, which we did talk about in our last full episode. 
Um, and you know, with, with everything going on there, there, you know, there's like a lot of like people just, just like talking about the console and like giving like their thoughts, their like, you know, their like concerns some criticisms and also their like excitement too for the console. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I was hoping to kind of like just jump right into, I guess, with what, uh, with what like Candace was talking about actually, like during the episode yeah. and Candace, feel free to kind of jump in on this. Um, but basically like the concerns like over the console, especially considering the fact that this is like another, um, basically like another, like a low end console. Like it's not like to like the degree of like, say like a, a like Nintendo switch or Sony PlayStation 4 or anything like that. Um, but this is like another... Like, I don't know. I mean, would you call the Wii a low-end console? I mean, I guess by like low-end, I mean like something along the lines of like an Ouya because that was like the um, the like example that was like brought up in our discussion. Yeah, no, we're, we're 10 times better than an Ouya. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> and, enough. And, and, I can, and, I, and I can explain all the differences uh, uh, for sure. But no, let me, let me just start by saying that, that I totally understand and respect... Uh, people's thoughts on being, you know, a little, uh, you know, uh, gun shy and cautious as well. They should be right because of things like Ouya and the the Coleco Chameleon mm-hmm. and Robert and I know all about the that. others who have tried <laughs> the to... VCS, the Atari VCS. Well, too. don't even get me started with that one. Yeah, but <laughs> um, and 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 I I also want to say as well too. Um, that I, I thought Candace was very respectful and, and very, uh, you know, she didn't say anything that, uh, that, you know, irked me or upset me at all. That's, that's why I kind of outreached to you guys where I'm like, Oh shoot, I want to, I want to, I want to talk to Candace. Cause I think, uh, you know, when I give her some more information, she'll start to think, um, that, uh, Oh, you, you know what? I get it now. Or, you know, I, I get it more, you know, and that's, but I thought she was very respectful, um, which is rare in uh, in this industry. And so I really appreciate the way uh, you guys uh, come at it. Well, Tommy, uh, we've actually hung out before. I mean, I did coverage for Video Games Live ages ago. And uh, the place that I was working with, Advanced Media Network, actually co-sponsored uh, Video Games Live. Oh, wow. So I've hung out with you guys as you did sound checks. And I mean, uh, there was one in San Francisco that, you know, was like my favorite one during GDC. And was so, that the one that Koji Kondo was at? Yes, yes. Yeah, Koji Kondo and, and Miyamoto yeah. was, was in like the third row. Yeah, yeah, yeah was it was great. an incredible, was incredible show. And I, I remember literally in the middle of your sound check feeding you a cookie from offstage <laughs> while you continued. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, when, uh, when I saw the, the trailer for uh, the, the console, I was like, oh, all right, I know who Tommy is, all right. And I was definitely kind of sitting there going, all right, well, Tommy's putting his name into this. All right, so I want to listen to what this has to, to be about. But I also had to balance that out with my normal amount of, of you know, trying to make sure there's not a bias there. Your critics and, have, in a sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, listening to, like, all the information and then kind of bringing it back to, like, what we were talking about with other kind of offshoot consoles that aren't by the main three and looking at it like, is this a thing? Like, I don't know. And, and I definitely have a lot of questions. So I would love, I'm going to answer every single one of them. Awesome. Yeah. It's a free for all now. Yeah. <laughs> now, I can, that it, you know, cause we do have some patents pending and stuff like that. So there's some stuff I can't maybe talk about, but right. I will certainly give you as much as I can. Yeah. I think a lot of my, questions are where did the impetus for this come from like where did it start and like where did 
you know, essentially like who is making sure this gets funded? I mean, this is a big undertaking. Yeah, well, well, first of all, one, one of the big differences between the Coleco, we were just talking earlier about the Coleco Chameleon, the Ouya, the, uh, the Atari VCS. One of the biggest differences that Intellivision has that none of that, that those companies don't is that we are not crowdfunded. We are not asking people to give us money before they play the machine. So I think that should go a long way. Uh, I would agree. In, in in uh you know in in you know kind of what we're about that 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 one thing alone makes us different from all those others that that tried and uh and eventually failed um in, in regards to the the funding um yeah i mean it's it's big um investors and venture capitalists we have the biggest um you know w- one of the biggest investment bankers in the world uh backing us we have um if you look at who our corporate attorneys are, they are Morgan Lewis. You guys can uh, wick, wiki Morgan Lewis. They are uh, they handle seventy five percent of all of the Fortune one hundred companies in the world. They also handle the Clintons and they handle the Trumps. So no matter what side of the coin you're on, but these are folks that represent presidents. What they do is that you go in there, you kind of pitch it, and they hear a thousand pitches a year. And then if they believe in what you're about and they think that, you know, this is going to be a big thing, well, they take you on as clients and they charge you nothing. Interesting. And then when it becomes big, then they send you a bill. So that's the kind of uh, folks, you know, Kenobi Martin, if you look them up, those are our patent attorneys. Um We've been uh, the company. And I'm getting into some like kind of maybe boring corporate stuff, but just to give you a little bit of a, a background um, from the financial side, we've you know whenever a, a venture capitalist or investor, investment banker, you know, takes something like this on, you have to go through crazy due diligence. Crazy right. due diligence. I mean, they literally tear the company apart looking for the holes. Because they're going to be investing millions of dollars into this thing, right? Nobody want to, wants to look like a fool. It's a lot of hoops to jump through for sure. When, yeah. when we went through that due diligence, we ended up uh, right out of the gate. We were in, and this is a due diligence company out of, out of uh, Nevada who's done 2,000 uh, due diligence on, on pre-rev companies. And we ranked 92 percentile out of those 2,000 uh, companies. And that was before we got our check boxes of where we could improve or whatever in that, you know, take us to a hundred percent. There was a big uh, conference uh, called the TIFF conference. Uh, it's a technology innovation forum mm-hmm. and hundreds of people that, that uh, try to get on the stage because there's 850 venture capitalists and invested bankers in the audience. And, um, Hundreds of people, they do it once a year and there's only eight slots. So we got one of those eight slots, but not only that, we actually won the award. And this is 850 people who hear, who hear pitches all the time and, and see business plans. Because it's not just a pitch. It's a business plan. It's a business model. It's you know right. thousands of pages of, of data and, and this and that. And, and we won the award. I won the award for not only the best pitch, but the thing that they felt uh, most likely 
uh, to succeed. It was the it was hmm. the uh, People's Choice, the Venture Capitalist Choice Award. So there's so many of these little things that we got going in the right direction. Uh, video game analysts like Michael Pachter uh, have have seen the machine and absolutely flipped out. In fact, we were just at the uh, Casual Connect conference today. He was on stage and they asked him, what do you think the biggest thing in 2020 is going to be? And he says, look, it's going to be the Intellivision Amico. Um, he says people are, you know, are, you know, they might be underestimating what it is, but I've seen it and I played it. And once you play it and see it, you get it like that, you know, because he even said, look, I was skeptical when, you know, it's like, oh, Tommy, I love him and, and this and that. But but until you see it and play it, he says, wow, then it all kicks in. Then it's all like, holy crap, I get it. And that's what's really missing. But and and, and but to go back to your initial thing, why did I, you know, kind of kind of see this and who's funding it? So I got kind of the numbers thing and all that stuff and the business thing. But let me tell you about about the, the kind of the the passion and the emotional part of of why I'm I'm doing this. Well, um, is that- Tommy, before you get into that though, and I'm sure you can like integrate this actually into the question I'm about to ask you. Um, you know, like I, I guess like what what brings about the confidence, I guess, in the in television Amico, especially considering the fact that like a lot of the other like, you know, consoles that we listed and named before um, haven't succeeded or just don't have like the same amount of, of like of like excitement, I guess, behind it. What makes the Amico different in that sense? Well, because those three consoles that we mentioned, they didn't have a good idea. And and, and by the way, I'll put Google Stadia in there as well. Mm, okay. okay. All right. All right. Interesting. And because, you know, did anyone like like what is the message as well? Right. The messaging of of the Atari VCS, for example. And, and by the way, let me just start by saying is that I hope the VCS succeeds. I want it to be there because 40 years later, Intellivision is going to kick Atari's ass and it's going to take us 40 <laughs> years. So We're going I back in time, them, yeah. I, <laughs> I want them to be around so that we can win this round. Um, but uh, <laughs> but obviously, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to wish... Uh, you know, harm on on anyone, and I do hope that the Atari VCS um, succeeds. It's a healthy competition, is what you, is what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, but 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 they're not competition though, and neither is Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. That's the thing that people you know really have to um, you know kind of understand is that I'm not trying to compete with any of those companies. I'd be insane if if I was going to try to compete against billion dollar companies like Sony and Microsoft, right? You know, those guys, they build like the Formula One cars, right? They're the super fast machine, super expensive machine. They're one seaters, um, but they're the fastest machine in the world, right? I'm not trying to build, uh, we're, not, we're not trying to build a, um, a Prius to their Formula One card. What we've done is we've built the bicycle. Right. So Hmm. we can get you from point A to point B as well, but we get you there in a very different way on a bicycle. You can go with a bunch of friends. You can kind of go slow. You can smell the flowers, take in the scenery, you know, family bike rides as well. And like considering that this is like a family friendly console that you're shooting for, that makes sense in the analogy. Exactly. And, and, and the reason why I, I wanted to do this is because I just, you know, I'd go to E3 every year. And I just kept seeing more and more games that like none of the my non-gamer friends or my mom and dad could play. 
I mean, it, it, it's getting right. crazy. And then even this year at E3, they came out with a, a an article, I think it was the second day of E3, where they went around and they said, you know what, 83% of the games that were at E3 this year were mature rated or, or you know, had, a, or sorry, no, not mature rated, but they had adult content, um, you know, in them. Um, and that kind of sucks, you know? And so every year after year, like when I was growing up and I'm 51 years old, so I grew up, I mean, television was my machine. Um, and so when I was growing up, I would play games with my mom and my dad and my younger brother and my friends would come over and we all played together, right? And that, because there was no online, there was no internet and people played together. And, and I guarantee, like I said in the trailer, if, if all of you think back of your favorite gaming memories, I guarantee it was when you were in a room with other people. Now, the Wii proved that non-gamers will absolutely buy a machine if it's a, a video game console for their home, if it's easy and it's simple and it's affordable, right? The Wii was right. the third biggest selling uh, home console of all time, 102 million units and $50 billion in revenue it generated. Now, the reality was though, if we go back and we dig deep, we'll see that Nintendo, you know, they weren't going out there to try to get a casual audience. They kind of caught lightning in the bottle. Let's be honest. The reason they came out with the Wii, and I know this, I worked on Metroid Prime. I was there before the Wii came out working on stuff with Miyamoto. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the reality was, is that they were kind of getting beat up by Sony and Microsoft. And so they wanted to do something totally different. They didn't want to play that game of who's got the most photorealistic graphics, who's got the fastest chip, the fastest this and that, right? They went in a totally different direction, which was amazing, fantastic. Nintendo, always the innovator, right? Well, it's that classic Nintendo brand of fun, pretty much. And a lot of that comes from like their IPs and just like their ideology, I guess, really, like ever since the NES. So. Exactly. But Nintendo will tell you themselves that they don't make games for non-gamers and casual players. Their core audience, they know their core audience better than any other company out there, right? Their core audience are typically millennials or a little older who grew up on Zelda and Pokemon and Nintendo, grew up on the, uh, the NES and Mario and, and this and that. So if you look at the games, the majority of the games that Nintendo did after the Wii came out, they, they never intended nursing homes to be buying it, right? My mom, <laughs> my mom bought a Wii, you know? Right. She, she, my I, mom I would say you're not wrong. I, I would say that uh, there's definitely a lot to, to everything you're saying about the, the idea of Nintendo not really trying to chase a trend so much as keep people that were already kind of planted there from the beginning. You know, like they're just trying to make sure everybody is included and not just the newer gamers. That's right. And, and so they went right back to their wheelhouse. You know, as right. soon as the Wii came out, what did they come out with? Pikmin, Smash Brothers, Metroid Prime, Mario, Zelda, right? And, and I can tell you that the Nintendo folks in America and Europe were screaming at Nintendo in Japan going, my God, everybody's playing this Wii bowling game. Let's do a <laughs> shuffleboard game. Let's do card games. Let's do kind of simple. Because remember, this is before it, yeah. casual. 
This was before, you know, mobile blew up and and, and became a, a became a huge thing. But you know, mm-hmm. again, Nintendo's like, look, that's not what we do. That's why it took Nintendo so long to get into the mobile market at all. Remember where they like where they were missing for like seven eight years there, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, because yeah, that's yeah. not their core market. That's not where they make their money and that's not where they've been the most successful so that's why they like hire like other companies really to do those games for them and just kind of license them out that way exactly now the casual gamers now move over to mobile right Mm -hmm. and like i said in my trailer there's 200 million hardcore gamers in the world yet 3 billion people a day play mobile games right now, now, don't you also like have like someone who like used to work at Nintendo during the Wii years, also like on your television team? Perrin Kaplan, right? We have so Perrin Kaplan was the senior vice president of marketing at at Nintendo for eighteen years. This is the woman that helped launch the Wii in North America, helped launch the Nintendo DS, which is the biggest selling. Uh, video game console, 155 million units sold. Um, And she also helped to launch the whole Pokemon franchise. I don't know if people know this or not, but the Pokemon IP, intellectual property, is the number one entertainment IP in the world. It surpassed Star Wars last year, if you can believe it. So it's like, it goes Pokemon, Star Wars, then Harry Potter. And, and And she helped to launch that. Now, when she left Nintendo... She took a couple of really key people with her. Beth Llewellyn, who is uh, the head of uh, uh, PR, and uh, one of the uh, big uh, product uh, folks, Kelly Horner. And so those are the folks that we hired to do, uh, you know, our initial, you know, marketing and, and PR stuff for us. So who better in the world to launch a family console than then, you know, the women who, who did it better than anyone and, and have been through this before, you know. Uh, but I want to say about mobile, though, and casual, and this is the thing that a lot of people forget about, and, and, and it's kind of maybe will be the aha moment here in a second, is that when you think about the Wii and how successful and how fun it was, right, and then mobile came in. But the one thing you got to remember now, keep in mind, mobile is 55 percent of the entire uh, money that comes in the video game industry. Right. Right. And and we're one hundred and forty billion dollar a year industry and they own 55 percent of it. Console gaming's at 25 percent if you add up the top big three. And then the other 20 percent is PC and Mac. Right. So mostly PC. Um, and, And so mobile has more than doubled home console gaming and almost tripling PC gaming. So that's important, important to to know. Another amazing statistic that people don't, you know, really focus on or or maybe even know about is that out of all of that $140 billion that we talk about in the video game worldwide, do you know how much of that is spent by women? How much? Take a guess. Mm. I mean, I want to say like 55, 60%. I'd say about 70 Keep going. Higher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 80%. 80. Yeah. Wow, okay. I was closer without going over, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I was like, I really want to hear what the guys have to say about this one. Yeah. <laughs> now, and, and you say, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Wait a second. But when you start to break it down and you say, well, wait a second, who spends the most money on mobile? 
Now, guys, we play mobile games. You know, we might play a lot. Do you know any of your buddies who actually spend money on mobile? No, because we're stubborn. We wait a day a till point. our tokens or tickets, uh, you know, and we'll just put it aside and, and wait. That's but, totally me. Yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> right? But if you have wives or girlfriends or maybe Candace, I don't know. But but a lot of women don't do that. A lot of women want to keep, you know, they, they, they will spend the money. So, so and again, so a lot, most of the money in the in the uh, casual market and the mobile market is is spent uh, by females. But then think about this. Who controls the entertainment pocketbook in the household? Is it the dad? Hell no. It's the mom. And so and so they're the ones buying the systems, buying the software, you know, making sure, uh, you know, the kids aren't on the machines too much. You know, they, they control the entertainment uh, a budget within the household. So again, considering that the video game industry, that 80% of the money it takes in, yet those people are never targeted in marketing, in advertising, and certainly not in content, right? So, but I want to, I want to just say one more thing about mobile, um, which is I see there being four major issues with mobile that people kind of put up with because they have to. One, it's not really a great controller, let's face it, right? I mean, right. you can, you can if, if you're playing a match three game or, or you want to tilt a ball into a hole, okay, it's fine, right? But it's not a great controller. Think of the game, the most simplest of arcade games, Pac-Man. You go up, down, left, right. Try playing it on a mobile device. You can't. I tried. Up, I tried. Swipe yeah. down, swipe. <laughs> drive like Contra on mobile yeah. device. It doesn't work. It doesn't. I work. actually, I actually uh, just talked about this on another show at some point because I said like I hate playing a lot of these games, especially any retro games on mobile because they just are not optimized properly. Uh, the UI is always a mess. Your phone your is going to heat up. The screen. Yeah, your, your phone's going to heat up. Battery's dead. Your fingers are all over the screen. It drains your battery no matter how great your phone is. Like, it's just not the most intuitive thing for me to want to game on when I can just plug something in and not have to worry about any of that. That's right. So that's number one. Number two is, let's face it, it's a money scam. All right. they want to do, if it's not loot boxes, they want your email address, your friends on Facebook, yeah. or their, your credit card. And if they don't get one of those three things, then you are going to get a 30 second ad, the average of every three minutes, right? right? Now, people put up with it, but do you know anyone who likes it? Do you know anyone who likes being strung along to keep buying stuff? Do you know anyone who loves watching ads every three minutes? Well, you know no, no, I mean, it, loves- it goes it goes into the complications with, you know, loot boxes and gaming in general and the gambling aspect of mobile games. So no, nobody's a fan of it. We wish it didn't exist. Um, and but we so we put up with it because it's the only way. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. we get free games out of it, like quote unquote free in a sense. Right. Yeah. Well, like that's how they get you. As they tell you, it's free. The first hit's free, right? Right. That's right. And <laughs> it's now, like drugs. Yeah. It sounds right. like you're describing okay. a Mario Kart tour in a way. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Just one more hit. <laughs> so, that, so there's two big things that that we all agree on. Now, the third thing is zero quality control. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, there's a thousand new games that come out 
each week on across OS and Android. I mean, how many fart apps do we need, right? Um, right. Six. By the way, the proper answer to that is six. <laughs> At least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tommy read my mind, just saying. <laughs> but, but, and so there's no quality control. So for me, for example, I, I love like boxing games, right? So over the holiday, I looked and I, and I downloaded like literally like 15 different boxing games and all of them sucked except one. And my phone slowed down and I was getting pop-up ads. And I mean, what a disaster. I had to like, you know, spend half a day trying to find something that was decent. Are you kidding me? Right? So there's no quality control at all. No curation at all. Just any Yahoo can upload anything. Right? So that's the third thing. But the final thing, and this is the most important thing. And this is the aha moment for you. Remember how I mentioned the we and how great it was because people were in a room playing together. And that's what it was about. Mm-hmm. The bi- and now casual has moved all over to, to, to mobile. But guess what? Every single mobile game, and there's a couple exceptions, but the majority, 99.9% of all mobile games are solitary. It's you staring at a screen, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with the exception of Jackbox and Space Team, there's some, you know, minor things out there. But for the most part, everybody's staring at their phones. And this has become what the 21st century has become. Technology has driven a wedge in families. Parents hate the fact that their kids are always on the machines, always on the phone, always on the thing, you know. And what we're doing is that we're not selling that. What we're selling, because when I play a game now, I, I sit down, I play Red Dead 2, and I'm playing it for six hours. I got news for you. I got to be honest. I feel a little guilty, right? <laughs> I got yeah. I got my dog wants to go for a walk. My wife wants to go out to dinner. I could have built a shed. I could have learned a new language in the time I just spent <laughs> on this game. Yeah. We're not selling guilt. We're not selling that. What we're selling is, Family, times with family and friends. Because when you spend time with a family or friend, no matter what you're doing, whether you're playing a board game or you're playing a video game or a card game or just having a conversation, you don't feel guilty about that. And that is not something that you can do on a mobile device. There isn't a family of four sitting around a living room all playing the same game on mobile together at the same time it's not happening that's what amico is so tommy i'm just kind of curious and like on how uh you know to, you know, to, to, to transition from that uh, like how the focus on family-friendly gaming will make the amico a success then in that case um and also like what kind of challenges there are in like developing games with this particular mindset since since uh, that's obviously like the the focus of this console well i mean the beautiful part is all of our developers they are just loving this because for the first time, really, for the first time, where imagine if eight people all sitting in a room with a, with a TV and everybody has a screen on their controllers. Imagine, Sounds like the future to me. <laughs> it's like Jetson's future. <laughs> imagine what that opens up, right? Like you think of like a simple game like Texas Hold'em, a card game, right? Now, Texas Hold'em is a great card game, but what makes it great is that when you're in a room 
of people and you're watching their expressions, you're seeing if they're bluffing or you throw down your straight flush and then you punch your buddy in the arm. Ha ha ha. You know, and, and every single Texas Hold'em game in the history of the video game industry has had to be played online, right? Because your cards are on the screen. Now think about what we're doing where everybody has their own cards. Everybody can now play Texas Hold'em. And I use Texas Hold'em as a, as a, you know, as an example, but all of the Monopoly, Scrabble, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so a board game or card played, game kind of thing. Yeah. Card games can all be played in a room together like they mm-hmm. were intended. Now, here's another great stat for you. Over the last five years, the board game industry has gone up 40% every year for the last four years. It is now also the biggest segment on Kickstarter now is board games, surpassed video games. Why do you think that is? Because no one can play video games together, you know? And again, are there examples? Yes, there's Smash Brothers. Okay, so people are getting together and play Smash Brothers. Well, Smash Brothers is a hardcore gamer game. And if you want to play with four people, great. We're four switches, $1,000. Can a family of four play a four-player Xbox game or a four-player PlayStation game? Yeah, they're out there, but they're going to spend $400 on the machine. Oh, you want an extra controller? 60 to 80 bucks each. Oh, you want to buy the game? It's 60 bucks. I definitely see what you're approaching with this, and I think it is, you know, on that level, very savvy. Um, and, you know, thinking about it and the more you talk about it and like the, the understanding behind it, I do feel a little bit more at ease from the concept, like you were talking about the monetary value of family time. Um, and, and as somebody who, you know, I have a a daughter who I raised in video games. Yeah. I've got a daughter who's 18 years old and I've raised her. Okay. In, in video games and, and it does get expensive. I mean, we got two PS4s and, and, you know, double copies of games and, you know, it's, it's been like that for as long as she started gaming. So I do appreciate that concept. I mean, uh, I can't say that that won't be a big hit in and of itself. Think of middle America as well too, or South America or, you know, some of the countries in Europe, right? right. Where, um, where we're talking about our machine is ha, comes with two controllers. And by the way, the first video game machine really to come with two controllers in about 20, uh, 30 years. I was just yeah. going to say that actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. The value. But right not there, only yeah. that, but wait, it gets better. You can hook up to eight mobile devices straight out of the box for free. You download really? free apps nice. and you can hook up to eight mobile devices right to the machine. Is that using like hotspot technology or? No, no, it, it connects either Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. And, and yeah. so you download your free app. We're not going to charge people for this. You download a free app. You connect it right to the machine. Not bad. So people can play eight player right out of the box. Now, wait, it gets better. You also not only get two <laughs> control. I feel like I'm on a. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's, there's more. There's more. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Yeah. If you order now. As <laughs> seen on TV. Yeah. Um, and so, so the so the the box itself it comes with five games pre-installed, five games wow. pre-installed. And by the way, some of our best and most exciting games 
that that are the most popular games that, that ever sold. And we're redoing them and making them all modern and awesome and adding lots of modes and couch co-op and this and that. So you're getting have those five, been publicly announced yet there, Tommy? Or? The games have not been. No. Okay. You saw some of them in the trailer. The games that you guys are including are not bloatware games. They are popular games that people would know. Exactly. Think of Wii Sports, but but that would just be considered one of our games, Wii Sports. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's five games like that. Now, again, keep in mind, every single game is $9.99 or less. We have no in-app purchasing, no loot boxes, not even DLC. And the whole and the console will not allow mature rated or teen rated games on it. Mm-hmm. Again, think wow. of America. Yeah. So okay. every game is E for everyone or E10 plus, and you get all of this for under $200. So is there like a particular challenge with that though, as far as like restricting developers who want to develop on your console to make, make games that have content that's not for mature audiences? We haven't had a, had any problem. The thing that yeah, we I, I can't see that being a huge issue because I mean, there. I mean, think about it. How many studios are out there who are making PG to G content? Yeah. You know. Well, and the mm-hmm. other thing you need to realize too is that eighty five percent of all video games that come out are E ten right. or E for everyone. Right. Yeah. I mean, for you sure. can get away with a lot with E ten too. I mean, you could even do like Boogerman at E ten. Not that I'm suggesting a Boogerman, but please bring back Boogerman. <laughs> I mean you got Earthworm Jim, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> just saying one day maybe you never know. Just bring it up. It's on our list. It's there on you go, our list. but just saying. But yeah, I mean like I've I've seen like, you know, you, you just because you're limited to E and E ten doesn't mean you're limited. We've seen like action games included in that trailer. You got movie. Well, think of every single sports game you've ever played. Right. Think of every single right. Nintendo first party game mm-hmm. think of tetris think of you know uh, well i mean back yeah. in the heyday of these original consoles like nintendo sega master system um atari all of this stuff there weren't rated like mature games until the second iteration of most of those anyways exactly you know so exactly. it's not like and they had a huge library across all these platforms so like if anything i, I think it encourages a lot of studios to be a little more creative yeah. Um, to yeah. to go to go to that kind of uh, that well, so to speak. So I'm not I'm not concerned about that. I am interested about one weird thing, though. Please, please. I'm interested in the fact that you're using the Karma Gaming Engine for its OS. Uh, where where did that come from? Okay, so the Karma Gaming Engine is just some shit we made up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just slap okay. it together. Yeah. Yeah. So- so no, and no. Let me let me let me explain that to you. Mm-hmm. So, so I was so, like, I have never heard of this. I have researched. <laughs> I looked, couldn't find anything, and I'm like, okay, what is this? Okay, so I'll I'll explain it to you, and it'll make more sense. Because again, okay. this is all stuff that we're you know our marketing hasn't started yet. You know, our marketing to moms and families isn't going to start till next summer. You right, know, right, right. the reason we're putting out these trailers and doing these little things here and there, it's just kind of red meat. For it's a slow our, optics yeah. hype train, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's for the hardcore gamers and the and 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 our fans and and, and things and like sites talking you know? about it, yeah, yeah. And it's great for the investors to see that you know people are excited about it and this and that. But it's all optics, um, yeah. But so the um, so what the Karma Gaming Engine is? First of all, our OS is is completely designed uh, in house, okay, as good. well as the entire. Uh, all of the hardware, everything is is all in-house. We have engineers, firmware engineers, mechanical engineers, 
everything is being designed. Nothing's being, uh, again, this is a real thing, a real company. We're not outsourcing the stuff like some of those. That was my next question. That was my next Kickstarter companies and, and crowdfunded companies. They're just, you know, they're just hiring outside contractors to do this stuff. Look, are you a hardware company or not? Is this a real right. product or not? Right. And we'll so to China or Taiwan or whatever, and like not actually having, yeah, like, the outsourcing you know, thing always yeah. concerned me. Like, you know, with, uh, when it comes down to things like the Ouya and yep. a lot of these other ones, you're getting a lot of, of form factor items that are being brought in from other countries and that's fine and all, but their quality assurance is not the best. And then you've got problems where plastics break down and pieces break off. And, you know, soon your very somewhat affordable console is not affordable anymore because you're replacing a lot. So that exactly. was kind of where I was going with it is wondering oh, you, you how much. See the amount of testing we do on everything. I mean, ju- we, you know, the batteries, just the batteries that go inside the controllers, there's literally thousands of different batteries out there that you can buy and what their white papers say is different from reality because everyone wants to bounce it up a little bit well we can't take that chance right we literally have you know uh testing batteries testing led lights testing buttons so not only are we developing a lot of that stuff in-house but for things that we can't develop in-house like batteries we have people dedicated all they do is beat the hell out of batteries and not just one or two, but like a hundred at a time, right? To make sure that we can get at least six hours of battery life, five to six hours per controller. Because the great thing about our controllers, it's wireless charging. So when you're done with it, you just put it right on top of the console and it charges by itself. It's great. Now you can put, stick in a wire too, if you ran out and you want to, you know, it's similar to any PlayStation controller or whatever, but the wireless charging is, is really, really cool. But let me tell you what the Karma gaming engine is. Think of that like Sega had their blast processing, right? So it, was, it wasn't it was really a thing. It was what they called their, their you know, it's a buzzword, really. call, their, call their thing. So what the Karma gaming engine is, is this, is that we have a list of 10 commandments that I drew up for for Amico. And one of those 10 commandments was every game must be able to be played by anyone and they they have to be able to compete on on the level. So meaning one of the things that bugs me about the industry is and you guys I'm sure can appreciate this from being more hardcore gamers yourselves. One of the things that always irks me about the industry these days is that Let's say I'm great at Madden football and let's say you're all great at Madden football, but you haven't played the new Madden football that just came out, but I've had it for a couple of weeks. When you guys come over my house, you have 0% chance of beating me in that game, even though you're, you're already good. Look at Fortnite, right? No one who starts Fortnite, they would have to spend months and months and months to get up to speed to be, you know, really, really competitive. And everybody's on such a different level. And if there's a game that I have on my video game console and you come over and you've never played that game, you're screwed, right? So you're trying to keep, like, the console very player agnostic, really, with the titles that you're adding on there. Yeah, so either I have to sandbag to let you kind of catch up 
or you're just getting your ass kicked and that's not fun for either of us, right? So, so I entitled this thing, the karma gaming engine. And basically what that means is that people, so my goal was how can I get a non-gamer to be able to compete against a hardcore gamer right out of the get-go? So I'll give you some examples of this. And this is my challenge to all the developers. And this is the kind of the things that we come up with. So let's, I'm going to start with the easiest example, Pong, right? So, and, and by the way, we're doing this in our, because we are remaking Pong and it looks amazing. And we're putting a whole bunch of different, really fun uh, co-op, couch co-op and hmm. versus modes in Pong. It's great. Well, there's an arcade uh, version of it right now, I know. So <laughs> Yeah, that's right. it's pretty nice too. And so, oh, it looks beautiful. So let's take Pong, for example. Now, again, if you've never played Pong and you come over my house and we're playing Amico for the first time and I've had it for a year, in a typical game situation, no one would ever be able to beat me, right? But mm -hmm. the way we work it with our Karma Gaming Engine, uh, in air quotes, um, is, is that if I score three times in a row on you, my paddle shrinks and yours expands. And so okay. we, we kind of basically think of it as a real-time, on-the-fly handicapping system. I'll give you another example. Let's say, that, um, let's say that the person in last place, because we have a screen on our controller, when they're in last place, their controller buzzes, and they look down, and it gives them a hint as to where the next bonus is coming out or where the next, uh, you know, something's going out. And the person in first place, they're going to get more aggressively attacked, let's say, by uh, the enemies uh, on screen. So it's just about leveling the playing field. How can I get an eight-year-old girl to compete with a 35-year-old hardcore gamer? How can I have a grandfather who's never played maybe since the Wii how can they have fun with their grandson who who's maybe an ace at at playing a, a, a particular game? So uh, but to answer your question about our OS, what we've done is we've created our OS in-house and it's a cross. It's a combination between we take the best parts of Linux and the best parts of Android. And we combine those because Android is a very, very stable thing that 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 hundreds of millions of people use on a daily basis right but we have the flexibility of linux so we take the best of both the flexibility of linux and the solidity of android and so our system is based on that developers love that as well um because it's a it's a it's a, a world especially indie developers because it's a world that they're familiar with a lot of our games are being done through Unity, not all of them, but a lot of the indie developers like Unity or Game Maker, and, and we want to support that, right? And so what we do is we support developers like no other hardware platform has ever uh, supported before because all of us on the team, we were all developers, right, for, for 20, 30 years. So we know what it's like to be on that side. So we don't charge any money for our dev kits, 
which is unheard of. Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, you want to develop on their machine, they'll charge you tens of thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. I um, was going to ask that too. There you go. Yeah. Look at you. Look at now. He's ahead of the curve. Tommy's got the bases covered. This isn't the first time I've had this conversation. Trust me. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm going to ask these weird ass questions that a lot of people don't really seem to like care about, but I really do. Yeah. Oh, so and, I appreciate and that's why the developers love us so much is because not only not only do we do that right so not only do we give them uh, the develop once they've been approved by us to, to do games because remember we hold everything uh, in regards to we decide what games go on our platform it is not an open system like we see with steam or or uh you know mobile right so you so we are partnering with every company that wants to do a game for us. We are the partners. That means we give you the system or the dev kit, but we also give you any resources you need. You know, a lot of indie developers, they don't have marketing departments, PR departments. They don't even have budgets for that kind of thing. They might not have an in-house audio person. They might not have really amazing like code optimizers, right? These are all things that we give to every one of our partners hmm, and everybody okay. kind of works together as a team. So if you say to me, Hey, Tommy, we don't have audio. Don't worry about it. We have a, a big audio department in house that will provide the, the best stuff in the industry. Oh, you know what? We're, you know, we're having problems with our frame rates. Hey, don't beat yourself up over it. Let's get one of our optimizers who helped to make the hardware and the software he will, him or her will come up to your studio and sit there for a month if they have to, to figure out your code and how we can optimize it to get up to 60 frames a second as opposed to 48 or whatever. So you basically right? like offer like your in-house resources to these like developers if they need it in that case. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause why wouldn't we, you know, when we do games on the Nintendo and when we did them on like the original Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo, you know what we got? We got we got uh, four hundred pages of Japanese, and they said yeah. figure it out. <laughs> and we we literally yeah, had to hire translators. <laughs> yeah. We had to hire translators just to. And, and by the way, as you know, Japanese is is difficult to translate to English. So a lot of stuff. Uh, and you're talking about technical things here, right? That well, was back in the nineties for days. sure. Yeah. We've all been through that. Um, and so we want to be partners with every single person. Now, here's the best part is that our commitment and our promise to all of our developers is that we never ever will come out with two Intellivision games at the same time, ever. Which means that every seven to 10 days, every person who turns on Amico around the world, they will get a featured headline spot. And this is not a spot that is sold we don't sell it to EA or, or Activision or Ubisoft. They don't get first dibs because they paid us more money. It is not for sale. It is every seven to 10 days, a game is featured and highlighted or it comes out. No, no time will there ever be two games that ever come out at the same time. When your game comes out, boom, you get that spot for a week or two weeks. And nice. Uh, and that's something that's also super important. Now, here's the best part. We also pay for all the development of every game up front. Now, that wow. might not seem okay. a lot to some people, but for an indie developer. No, it's huge. That's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Never gotten paid anything. 
who bootstraps everything or who has to do a Kickstarter and then screws it up because they miscalculated the shipping or the taxes Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? We're coming in and we're saying, we want you. We think you're talented. We think you're passionate. We are going to fund your entire game from day one for our system and we're going to give you every resource possible. And when the game comes out, you're not competing with anyone. You are the superstars. And people are saying like, oh, they, how are they ever going to get uh, developers? Now you know. And we got them mm. lined up. We got them lined up. You got the secret sauce, Tommy. So. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I, I start yeah. to feel you coming around a little bit, Candice. A little no, bit. no. Keep me. No, no. Me. Give me another I, one. Give me another one. No, seriously. I, I, you have definitely helped me feel a lot more at ease because it was a an unknown variable, right? Yes, and and we're still fourteen months out, and and you can't say all this stuff in a two minute trailer, right? I mean, right, absolutely. And that's why I like to talk to everyone now. Like that's why I, I I reached out to you guys to say, you know what? You guys have a voice. I'm one person. I can't get to I can't get to everyone as much as I try and I try to comment on YouTube's and YouTube videos or whatever and 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 I try as much as I can but the right. more people I talk to like you folks right now you have a voice and you can kind of say hey you know what Tommy told me this and Tommy told me that so kind oh, no, of building my own little you know Yeah no it's it's cool you turned us into your own little like culty followers I get yeah. it. <laughs> no 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 you do what yeah. you got to do over there in television Tommy I get it some tender uh, love and care going on over here. You, know right. I love, you know what I love? I love being the underdog. Every because they don't that. see they don't see me coming, right? Every single thing I've ever done in my career, you know, I was the very first video game composer to ever come out with a soundtrack worldwide, 1993, and everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, Tommy, who the hell would ever want to listen to video game music outside of video game, right? <laughs> and they, yeah. they all thought I was nuts. And then a couple years later, we started the Electric Playground, Victor Lucas, myself, and they said, Tommy, who the hell would ever want to watch video games on TV? Who would ever want (laughs) to watch, you know, and and, and this is, again, pre, uh, you know, uh, pre-Twitch, pre-YouTube, pre-everything, right? And we were the only cameras at 1995, uh, the first, uh, 94 and 95, the the first uh, E3s, we were the only cameras there. No one else gave a shit, right? And they're like, <laughs> you guys are crazy. Who's ever going to want to watch something about video games and how they're made or watch people play, right? And then I did video games live. And they said, Tommy, finally, you've lost your freaking, you've lost your mind. <laughs> because I got news for you. People who play video games don't go to a symphony. And people who do go to a symphony don't play video games. You're screwed. No one's going to show up to your dumb thing. And, 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 you know, the first show ever was at the Hollywood Bowl. I invested every dime I ever made my life into the thing. And they're like, Tommy, you're going to lose everything you ever worked so hard for. You're lucky if 500 people show up. Well, 11,000 people showed up. And just this week, if you saw on our social media, we just performed our 500th show. And we wow. own two Guinness World Records. Very important. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. The the first Guinness world record for video games live was it's the longest running symphony tour ever of all time. No touring symphony show has ever done more performances than video games live. Just symphony period. Yeah, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. The second one is it's the biggest symphony show ever seen live. 
in Beijing, China, a few years ago. I did a deal with the Chinese government. And I, I know it sounds weird, but I did. <laughs> and, and we played the Bird's Nest, the National Olympic Stadium that holds 130,000 people. But you ready for this? The Guinness World Record. We did 752,000 people watching us live. A symphony live. Wow. Never been done before. They had 600,000 people outside of the bird's nest. We had 100-foot LED screens set up, speakers set up. We almost had one-tenth of the entire population of China at that show because it was a free show. That was the deal I did with the Chinese government. Um, and so... You know, so everyone thought I was crazy for that as well. And now here comes in television. Tommy, are you freaking nuts? You think that you can take on Sony and Microsoft and, and Nintendo and even get a slice and mobile and Steam? And you think you can even get a little slice of what they're doing? Now you're nuts. Screw you. And and David Perry, uh, who you, you, you probably know, Earthworm Jim, Shiny. Yep. He's also the guy who kind of created cloud gaming. You know, he raised $50 million through Gaikai, his company, and then sold That's it to right. Sony for $380 million. Uh -huh. That's a turn well, to PlayStation now, I know, yeah. He's yeah. one of the co-founders with me of, of, of Intellivision. He's my best friend. I was the best man at his wedding. He was the best man at my wedding. And Dave has a great quote whenever he gets asked. He says, look, Tommy's, you know, kind of nut job here. You know, now he's finally lost his marbles. He goes, look, I've known the guy for 30 years. I wouldn't bet against him. <laughs> that's my favorite well, and see that's the thing i'm gonna say real quick tommy not to jump over you but when i heard about it being you at you know in television entertainment my i never once doubted the passion about the whole thing yeah i've i've witnessed video games live you know i know the story about video games live i've i've done an interview with you about video games live i know this comes from a pure place so when i saw that this was now a Tommy Tallarico kind of passion thing at first. When I was first hearing about it, I was like, all right, but I mean, like, who who really better if you really think about it? You've loved retro gaming forever. You know, this is not a, you dipping your toe into a new platform or a new place out of nowhere. So that was never my question. Yeah, my question yeah. was, what was Intellivision doing with you? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yep. Who controls who, Tommy? And, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. And that was where, and like ever since, you know, I would say I did the, the podcast here with the guys, um, I have been looking into the whole thing. I've been researching. So the podcast came out like, what was it, Friday? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Friday. But yeah. we had recorded it like, was it Wednesday or Thursday? Like it was, or Tuesday um, even? Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I think Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Um, but after we talked about it on the show, I had like started leaning in and doing my research about the situation. And I was like, okay. So when David hit me up and was like, Tommy would like to have a conversation with you. <laughs> Tommy like, would David, like a word. Right. David didn't know I'd already been kind of like researching the whole thing on my own anyway. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Like we can do that. Um, because I knew I definitely had questions just since the podcast. And I wanted yeah. to hear what you had to say about these things. But the one thing I did not question was that you were the right guy to be doing this. So oh, I, I will say that, that much. No, it means a lot. And, and, and again, going back to kind of how this started is, you know, how is this different from Ouya? Mm -hmm. How is this different from Atari VCS? How is this different from some of the other stuff out there? 
um, you know, are the people running those projects really passionate, really make, you know, game makers know what, because at the end of the day, you have to know what fun is. It has to be a fun game, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, I, you know, some of my bigger projects that I've worked on, you know, Disney's Aladdin, Earthworm Jim, the Sonic franchise, the original Tony Hawk, the original Guitar Hero, cool Metroid spot. Prime, <laughs> uh, cool spot. You're going way back. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and so I, I, I've been in, uh, uh, fortunate enough to be on enough AAA teams to know what makes a great game. And I've been on a lot of crappy teams. And I know what not to do either, right? And so there's a lot to be said for, it's not just a business for me. It's a passion project. I want nothing more than for the rest of the world to bring gaming back together, back into the living room, back into where families and friends can all play in the room together and be connected, right? There's this connection that, that is missing in the video game industry, and they want to even go farther. They want to go, oh, you know what, esports. Let's just watch people play video games now. <laughs> oh, you know what? Let let let's go VR. Let's put a whole headset so that we completely tune out the world. Yeah, right. I'm not doing that. I'm not falling down the stairs again. Sorry, no, <laughs> no. And I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm basically coming out and saying, look, let's slam the brakes, everyone. What what is the definition of a game? This is a word that's been around thousands of years. Why did people invent a game so that people could get together and 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 play with each other? That's what a game is and challenge each other and be on a team together, socialize together. And we're not seeing that happen in person anymore. Uh, when the when the internet came out late 90s when it hit the gaming industry, multiplayer went away. Because multiplayer became online multiplayer, and multiplayer now meant a kid in a dark room with his headphones on. Right, right. And that's that's what I want to try to you know bring back what the we did so successfully bring people back into the living room. I want look, I want to be able to play games with my dad again, mm. and I, and I can't do that. Yeah, I'm I have a PlayStation that. Four controller. I play put, put a PlayStation Four controller in my dad's hands. He has a freaking panic attack, right? <laughs> yeah, I was the same way with my mom, and she taught me gaming. My mom taught me gaming, but she let, feels left behind by gaming that's now, and that's right. really sad. And that's a damn shame. That's a right. damn shame. And 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 people always say to me, "Well, Tommy, you say that you know co-op and blah blah blah. That already exists on the PlayStation. That already exists on the." on the xbox you idiot and, and i go but wait a second they say that really to you <laughs> all the t- oh online I'm like, um, okay yeah, fair enough <laughs> um and, and so but but i say but wait a second does your mom have a playstation 4 does your mom play games with you do your non-gaming friends play with you or do they watch you play call of duty yeah when right. they come over and do they feel left out and do they feel on the side of the road, right? And so, no, couch co-op does not exist anymore. Not in the way that we knew when we grew up. It does not exist. If I can't play a video game with my mom and dad because the controls are too complicated, my dad can't even turn the PlayStation 4 on. 
The right. goddamn hit the on button for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And I got news for you. I couldn't find it the first 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I, and I still fumble with it. Yeah. I think I'm turning the damn thing on. The disc, it, the disc comes yeah, on. I know. Yeah, I know. You think it'd right. be easier. That's no, fair. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying because I, like I said, my mom is the one that got me into gaming when I was like three years old. And she was so supportive of my gaming for my entire life. But as I got older, games got more complicated. The systems became more complicated. And she started slowly getting left behind. You know, she was raising five kids. She couldn't really keep up on everything forever. And so here we are. Candace, is your mom still alive? She is. She is. Okay. So what if I said to you, Candace, by, by next Christmas, you, your daughter, and your mom are going to sit in a room together and play video games that you're all enjoying and you all feel like you're on the same level together. What if I could guarantee that to you? Would that it be would make something? me feel really good. It make me feel there really you good. go. That, Candace, I make my promise to you right now. That is exactly what I'm going to do and that what's going to happen by next Christmas. You are going to be in the living room and you're going to get a tear in your eye. I'm getting goosebumps right now. I have them right now. <laughs> you know what? There, there is one more factor I want, I want to discuss here too, Tommy. And I, I know it. we're running a little long here, but there is one more thing I think that's cool about all this. And I, I kind of hinted at a little bit when we talked about the games that were featured in the trailer, and that's Legacy. Um, the Intellivision legacy, I'm talking about Keith Robinson, the Blue Sky Rangers. You yeah. know, looking back at these old school games, we see hints of Astro Smash, Night Stalker, Shark Shark. And I saw your Sharknado, Sharknado tweet. I saw the reference last week. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, you know, and then obviously Moon Patrol. I'm a Moon Patrol man, one of my favorite all-time arcade games. But oh, we, wait we, till you play this. You're going to freak out. Yeah, I know. You told me Metal Jesus Rocks and John Riggs played it. I'm so mad. But anyway, it's, <laughs> I mean, we, we're seeing games that, you know, not only bring people together in terms of making it you know a great multiplayer experience but we're also seeing games that celebrate the legacy of what television is all about so it also attracts that audience that may have grown up with those games in the 80s you know so it's a great thing that also reflects them as well which is really and cool. by the way that's only 25 percent of our library mm-hmm. is retro games i call it retro reimagined right and and so how do you put Oh, do you want? I'm going to give you guys an exclusive right now. Ooh. Okay. So, how do you put? You take a game like Moon Patrol, which you said you you, you just said you loved it. You love the original. Such a great game. Can't yeah. believe no one's ever done a remake of that game. Right? Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Came out almost o- over 40 years ago, or almost 40 years ago. 37. About 30 something. Yeah. Something like and that. and and so you say, but Tommy, that's a single player game, and you're talking about co- couch co-op. How's this going to happen? Well, yes, every one of our games does have single player modes, right? Mm -hmm. But they all have to have couch co-op as well. Now imagine this. (laughs) Imagine you're in a room. Let's say it's four people. You you went over Candace's house with her mom and her her daughter. And so you're the fourth person now, right? And so, um, but let's say you're playing with your friends, right? And you're the blue, you're the, you're the blue vehicle. Okay. Now, Amico, because remember, we have this whole interactive lighting system. So, Amico, the, the console is lit up blue. Your controller is lit up blue. Now, Candace, her controller is lit up red, right? And, and somebody's, and her daughter's controller is lit up green, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you go first. So, this is a round robin versus mode. 
where you go first and all of the people who are not playing the vehicle they're the spaceships oh my and god you, okay you moon know, patrol Whoa. and you know who they are because <laughs> the red spaceship you know is candace so the you look on the is, screen yeah. and you see a red spaceship and then you look to your right if she's sitting to you on your right and you say son of a gun candace you're just, <laughs> you just you're, you're dead candace yeah bring it yeah. <laughs> it's on and it's when on. she stops you when when you when you die, so you're trying to get as far as you can. Now it starts from the beginning, and now the red vehicle. Now Candace uh, is the red. Now control. you're really dead. You keep slipping around. You, yeah. Interesting. And so everybody is. Everything's always color coded, and everything. And now, boom! Amico hits red, and, and the the system lights up red. And now it's Candace's turn, and the vehicle's red, and now you got to stop her. Nice. And then you do a whole round robin of everybody in the room. And, and again, everybody is trying to stop the person who's the vehicle and who got the farthest. And who that's, came in second, who came in third, who came that's in That's pretty fourth. great. That, yeah. that's, a neat, that's a neat twist on a classic, I'll tell you what. Yeah. It used to be so just like a one-player affair. Doing. That's neat. Dude, wait till you play eight-player Missile Command. Oh man! What? <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, now the question is when, Tommy. I mean, you're I, telling when. I, I, I 10, so, 10, 20, 20. 10, 10, 20, 20. I am so interested. I'm definitely gonna have to to catch up a little bit more after I go. I have to go though, but yes. I really had a good time. Thank Candace, you so thanks much for joining thanks us. Thanks for coming back on, Candice. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely, Tommy. It was great talking to you. Thank you for confronting me. <laughs> well, no, it's not a con- confrontation. I know. I know. <laughs> I just. I just wanted to give you more information because this, this is it. my evangelism moment here. It is. I got to ask you now that you've heard more, are you are you a little more you know uh, in in the Amico camp? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play it. So yeah, awesome. She's ready That's to touch it. And <laughs> you did it. And if you guys want to follow uh, Candice or if you want to taunt her in Moon Patrol ahead of time, it's uh, Twitter.com/slash Candice likes you. Thank you so much. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. We'll Thank you so you. much for having See me. See you, Candice. Take Thank care. you. Bye. So Tommy Tallarico here making gaming great again, if you will. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, what's, what's really interesting here is that we're talking about the future. We're talking about in television. But one really interesting thing that just came up, this came up during the GameStop press conference, or like some sort of manager's conference in Nashville. And it's going to be officially, and I believe the official announcement is taking place by the time the show airs, is uh, one of the classics that Tommy worked on way back in the 90s. Uh, Disney's Aladdin for Sega Genesis alongside David Perry. It's coming back, but it's not the way you think. What's happening is HD remasters of both Disney's Aladdin and The Lion King are coming back in a special like Disney Classics collection for Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and possibly PC. Um, so is this basically like a, um, I guess, like a continuation of the Disney Afternoon collection? Um, but just no, the more these are remasters. These are the original games and remasters. Yeah, the remaster of the original games. Yeah, oh, and they're, okay. coming in, they're coming in October. They'll be physical and digital. And Tommy... It's Lion King. Lion King and Aladdin together. Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. So no more arguing, people. Wait, hold on. Hmm? Hold on. Hold on. We got we to qualify that now. The the Sega Genesis version of Disney Aladdin was done by us. Yeah, but Same Super Nintendo was Capcom. Jam and cool spot. The Super Nintendo was Capcom, and that was done over in Japan. So that game is not part of this. It's oh, sorry. Stuff My, bad. My bad. My bad. Yeah, it's only the stuff that we did, um, you know, on the Genesis. It's really great, and and I and and the guys who are making the game, the developers are unbelievable. They're called Other Oceans. Uh, the guy making it, his name's Mike Micah. 
who's so passionate. In fact, I mean, I can go on record now. I'm not supposed to say this, but they're also uh, working on a lot of Intellivision games nice. uh, as well. Uh, because we we want people who are passionate, you know. And Mike Mike is one of the most passionate uh, retro people uh, in in the world. Um, he really pays homage uh, and really appreciates everything. He's so knowledgeable, so passionate, and those are the kind of people that we have making games for us. Um, but we did a whole. Um, I, I can I can say this. Maybe I'll get in trouble, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but we did a whole behind the scenes making of. Aladdin. So when when the original Earthworm Jim team got together to start designing the new game, which is exclusively on in television, there was 10 of us in a room. And so we were filming the whole design stuff behind, you know, Earthworm Jim. But then we did a special filming all talking about Aladdin, all of us together. Um, we did it in pairs. So it's like me and David Perry and then the two art directors and the two animators and all that. And, and so what you get in this new Aladdin game and Lion King game is you also get these whole making of uh, interviews with all of us, how we made the game, all the craziness that went behind it. Uh, Cause there's so many amazing stories uh, about the making of that game. And that also comes with the, the game that everyone just gets for free. Mm. Nice. So, is there any chance, possibly, that we'll get these remasters on the Amico as well? Um, we're we're talking about it. Yeah, because mm. yeah, okay. we're talking about doing something a little special, a little different, okay. and a little special. I um, mean, you were you were at Disneyland today, so I was going to say, yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, you talk to those folks, hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're, we are talking about doing something very different and special. Uh, that would be exclusive for our machine that that's revolves around Aladdin. I will say that 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 no other very console cool. will have except ours. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, Tommy, thank you very much for speaking with us about the Intellivision Amico and like a little bit also about like the other projects that you've had like a hand in just recently. So it's, it's very very exciting, and I'm really glad that we got to have you on the show here. Really, just to kind of talk about all that. So thank you very much for your time, basically to talk to us about all that. Um, where can people go like in order to find you about like a television and everything else online? Yeah. And, and, and let me just say too, I really appreciate you guys uh, talking about the system. Like I said, we're the underdogs. We're the ones who kind of need the most attention. We got to get the word out there. Um, you know, but, um, and so I really do appreciate you guys, um, you know, covering it and, and, and answering questions, raising the questions. I mean, if not for Candace raising those initial questions, I probably wouldn't have reached out to you and we probably wouldn't have had this conversation. And, and, and here we are creating content that hopefully, yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands of people will eventually be listening to or whatever. So I, so I hope so too. Honestly. <laughs> thank you guys. Um, you know, for, for, for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to talk to you. Um, so yeah, people can sign up to our mailing list at intellivisionentertainment.com. And that's really the first kind of, because you'll get all the info there before anyone else. And also, we're going to have special edition versions of the machine that we're mm. only going to offer uh, the people on our mailing list who sign up. So, for example, we released the first five colors of the machine, and one of them was a vintage wood grain, which is a really, really cool limited edition machine that we're going to do, a special limited edition version. So if you're interested in that, again, and want to interested in find out all the information before anyone else, 
please go and televisionentertainment.com. Sign up to the mailing list right there. Um, you can also see us on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter's at Intellivision. Uh, you just put in television in Facebook. Um, those are kind of our, our main things. And then for me personally, uh, on Twitter, it's at Tommy Tellerico, T-A-L-L-A-R-I-C-O. And also, uh, I have a couple of Facebook pages as well. Uh, so yeah, come join me on Twitter and, uh, and I guarantee I, I get no, I'll get into a Twitter war with somebody this week. More, more than likely it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll probably will. be me be like, are you going back to Portland retro gaming expo? When's this moon patrol coming? I'll probably have 50 questions. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, uh, yeah. So if, if you want to follow the Artcast on Twitter, we are at art podcast, same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash art podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at the guilty man. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check my work at mmogames.com and godhatesgeeks.com. And please be sure to check out our partner site, Don't Feed the Gamers, at don'tfeedthegamers.com. That is run by our good friend, Leanna Ruppert, where her team gives fan-centric news and reviews in gaming. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at ardcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars or pop culture in general. There is also us with Ardcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there is absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. And yeah, that's it for this special Amico edition of Art Podcast Mini. Until next time, keep it retro. And remember, folks, we will be at PAX West this week. So if you see me and David, say hi, give us water. We're probably going to need it. We've got a lot of appointments. Yeah, probably. Or like new <laughs> new shoes for running around on the show floor, too. That oh, might be another possibility. <laughs> hey, Tommy, do you have any in television shoes? <laughs> but, yeah, right. It's coming. Coming soon. You'll see everything. There you go. All right. Hey, uh, the Moon Patrol shoes, they'll be colored red when my feet are tired. <laughs> uh, 2021, the, in that case. I'm working on the Astro Smash boxer shorts right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, with, with a built-in fart button. That's Perfect. Right. Put me down for two, right. yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Tommy, and we look forward to the Intellivision 10-10-2020. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. I want my Intellivision. Again. My mother sold mine in the garage sale. Pity. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.